Where are our coffee drinkers? What about our too busy in the morning, need to pack everything you can into the one beverage you get people? Mornings are hectic. If I have to choose between my coffee and a breakfast item, coffee wins every time. This is why Laird Superfoods was so appealing to me. I wanted to be able to add superfoods into something that I was already consuming because like I said, with three kids, my mornings are the most chaotic part of my day. But honestly, other than the caffeine aspect, my coffee was pretty much empty calories once my creamer was added. And that sugar crash I get is never my favorite part of the day. If you want more from your coffee, Laird Superfood is for you. They have better ingredients, amazing taste, and functional benefits that are crafted from the highest quality of all natural, real food ingredients. They contain naturally occurring MCTs from coconut oil. It's shelf-stable. There are no artificial flavors, colors, or additives, and there is no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. 2023 is all about trying new things, and Laird Superfood has functional superfood creamers, instant lattes, and prebiotic greens, as well as a variety of snacks, baking mixes, and protein options full of wholesome, plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for wherever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing, plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code GRUESOME at checkout to save 15% off of your purchase today. Welcome to Gruesome. Your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and your queen of Costco, Connie, is going to tell us about Sherry Rasmussen. That intro is going to be so gnarly later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. And it's crazy because we. I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for you to hear this case. And that's like the extent of us talking about this case. Wow. That just like this is how I know we're kindred, and I'm so obsessed with you. <laughs> we're we, we're by, we, our vibrations are aligned. La 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 la. So, in continuing cases that are heavily requested and maybe a little bit bigger than what we usually cover, tonight we're going to cover the murder of Sherry Rasmussen. This is a case that if you haven't heard about it, will have your jaw hit the ground when you're finished hearing about this because I heard about this case several years ago, and. When, like, by the end of it, I was like, holy shit. And then when I was telling my husband about the case that I was covering and I gave him, like, you know how we do, like, this quick synopsis, he was like, no fucking way. So I apologize. Yeah, I apologize if you have heard this case or if it's one that you're familiar with. But again, like, it's heavily requested. So here we go. Sherry Rasmussen was the light in so many people's lives. She was described as, quote, a tall Scandinavian beauty with light brown hair, a broad face, high cheekbones, and wide set eyes under dark arching eyebrows. She was born on February 7, 1957 in Tucson, Arizona, to parents Nels and Loretta Rasmussen. Nels, who was a dentist, is described as a careful, proud, capable, successful, opinionated man, and he is going to need all of these traits in the future. So keep that in mind. Oh, so that, was, that was quite a few traits. So yes, his l- wife, Loretta, ran his dental practice and the two of them had one huge thing in common. 
and that was Sherry and their love for her and how much they were proud of her. Her and her sister, Connie, hey, were pretty close as well. Sherry entered Loma Linda University for nursing at just 16 years old. She was brilliant. And I read that she was brilliant in multiple articles. She was just the type of person who commanded attention when she walked into the room. She instantly brightened it. After she graduated from college, she was a critical care nurse. She lectured internationally on critical critical care nursing. When she was 27, she met John Rutten. He was a 25-year-old recent graduate from UCLA. He was described as a charming young man with a thick mop of dark hair and as handsome as a male model. The two had an immediate connection. It was later said that when they met, it was, quote, as though everything in their lives just fell away when they met. Old relationships, future plans, they met and they were together. The couple was married in 1985, two years after they met. They stayed in L.A. after both of them finished college and they started their careers. They were settling into the swing of things being married. John worked for an engineering company and Sherry was the director of nursing at Glendale Adventist Medical Center. On February 23rd, 1986, the couple had spent the evening with friends. They went to see a movie. Nothing was out of the ordinary and the couple seemed to be enjoying marital bliss. They had only been married for a few months at this point and they just seemed happy. The type of love that people aspire to have. The next morning, Sherry was supposed to oversee a human resource class for some of her nursing charges. And really, she just didn't want to do it. She woke up just not feeling like it, which I feel like that all the time. She contemplated on calling in sick for the day so that she could stay at home. But John told her that she just needed to go and get it over with. Since it was mandated by the hospital, it was best to just be done with it. She was going to have to do it at some point, so she should just do it now. But by 7.20 that morning, she was still in bed under the covers. And John went to work. Typically, Sherry left for work before John did. But John went to work. He dropped off some laundry on the way. And he was at work by 8. He called the house mid-morning. just like He wanted to give her time to sleep in in case she had called in. But she didn't answer. So he just assumed that she decided to take his advice and get the class over with. When he called her office, her secretary said that she hadn't seen her yet that morning. But because she was teaching class that day and most Mondays, it wasn't unusual for her to not go to her office first. So John tried calling several more times that morning and afternoon, but there was no answer at home. What was odd to him was that the answering machine hadn't been turned on, but he started to think, okay, sometimes Sherry does forget to turn it on when she leaves. So again, not a big deal. Not going to worry about it. He was sure that she had just went to work, skipped her office, and went straight to teach the class for the day. After work, Again, not really worrying about what was going on. John ran some errands and then went home. When John got home, he noticed that the garage door was open and Sherry's BMW was gone. He also noticed that there was broken glass on the pavement at the garage entrance. But again, he wasn't overly concerned, even at this point, because just a few weeks prior, uh, she had clipped the aerial on her car, which is like the little radio thing at the top. She had clipped it on the garage door. So his first thought was kind of like a laugh, like a, what did she do now? He wasn't concerned until he reached the top of the garage stairs and the inside door to the living room was ajar. This is when he started to panic and the scene he walked into was horrific. Sherry was found laying dead on the living room floor, laying on her back, still barefoot in her bathrobe. 
The brown rug that she was found on was covered in blood. Her face was swollen and battered. The position that Sherry was found in looked like she was trying to get up with her arms raised and bent with one leg raised slightly at the knee. He told investigators that originally he thought maybe she was asleep, but when he was able to like get over there to see her face, he knew instantly that she was not alive. She had a look of terminal surprise on her face. And looking at her, he realized that right in the middle of a chest was a bullet hole. His wife had been brutally murdered. The crime scene definitely showed that there had been a struggle, to say the least. There was a tall stereo speaker that was knocked over and was lying flush against the top of Sherry's head. A gray vase was shattered on the floor. The top shelves of a wooden display cabinet had been knocked over. Near the front door of the stairs, there was, um, near the front door and on, like, near the stairs. There was a VCR and a CD player that was stacked neatly. One of the sliding glass doors upstairs had been shattered. That was the glass that he had seen in near the garage. But there was no sign of forced entry. When crime scene investigators looked around, they believed that this was a botched robbery. There had been several robberies in the area recently, and they believed that this was the res- result of the same burglars. The lead homicide detective, Lyle Mayer, pieced together what he believed happened that morning. He believed that Sherry was upstairs when two burglars entered through an unlocked front door. He thought one of the burglars was working on gathering electronics and goods downstairs when the second went upstairs to see what they could find. And that is when they encountered Sherry. Sherry, who was dressed in a robe, tank top, and her underwear, startled the intruder. And she was tall and very athletic. She stood six feet tall. So she was obviously a huge struggle ensued. Detective Lyle believed that when the intruder downstairs heard the first gunshot, he fled, leaving behind all of the electronics. There was a blood trail down the stairs and a bloody handprint near the front door that led the investigators to believe that Sherry had tried to get downstairs to the alarm system panic button. In the living room, it appeared that Sherry fought like hell, with her ultimately being incapacitated by the vase that laid in pieces near her body. The attacker ultimately grabbed a quilt from the living room, shooting Sherry two more times in the chest with the idea that the quilt would muffle the sound of the gunshots. This is when the investigators believed that the attacker stole Sherry's BMW and fled the scene. Seems pretty cut and dry, right? Yeah. What they Almost. And they were like, the you said the CD player or something was stacked by the door, like it was mm-hmm. going to like be picked up and taken out. Yes. Sorry, that's out of all of those things that stuck out to me. Like, why was it neatly stacked next to the door? That is a very good question, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like we've been doing this a while. (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) At 2 a.m., criminalists from the LA County Coroner's Office, Lloyd Mahaney, came in and did one hell of a job documenting every inch of Sherry's body. He spent four hours surveying the scene and making notes and taking samples. He looked for trace evidence, including hairs, fibers, etc., but he found nothing to note. He was fairly certain that this attack wasn't sexually motivated, but he performed a sexual assault kit on Sherry just to be sure. That is when he noticed a huge bite mark on her left arm. Mahaney thoroughly, thoroughly swabbed the impression left by the assailant's teeth and put the swab in a tube put Sherry's name and date on the envelope, and the samples were placed in the envelope. Mahaney also noted the following. Abrasions on Sherry's arms near her wrist that implied that maybe someone had tried to tie her up. 
multiple contusions on her hands, mouth, face, head, and neck. Two of her fingernails were broken off and found near the front door. Sherry, ugh, I know that was like I know that like gave me goosebumps. The idea Mm -hmm. of breaking. Okay, she had a blow to her head that was consistent with her being struck with the vase that was on the floor, and she also had a mark on her face that was consistent with being struck with the muzzle of a gun. A gun that was determined to have delivered three fatal shots into Sherry's chest, piercing her heart, lungs, and spine. Any three of these shots would have been fatal. Two bullets were retrieved from Sherry's body that were determined to be 38 caliber, and the mark on Sherry's face was consistent with coming from a 38 revolver Smith & Wesson. Shortly before 1 p.m. the next day, Nels Rasmussen received the call that no parent ever wants to get. On the other end was John's dad. Nels was immediately crushed, and then the second emotion that came over him was anger. If Sherry had been murdered the day before, why didn't John call him? Why didn't John call him early this morning? And from what I read, John and Nels weren't exactly simpatico, which I say this because I have a daughter and we have, my husband is never going to feel like any guy is good enough for his daughter. That's kind of just the nature of like dad and daughter relationships. But he always felt that John was a pleasant guy, just unimpressive in his words. Okay. <laughs> Which is like very much a uh, typical, this is my baby, because she was the youngest. Like, this is my baby, and you're never going to be good enough for her. After racking his brain all night, Nels called the LAPD and asked if any of them have been told or talked to John's ex-girlfriend. He couldn't recall her name, but John had already mentioned Stephanie Lazarus when asked if he knew anyone who had anything against Sherry and may want to hurt her. Sherry Lazarus met John during undergrad when they both attended UCLA. John maintains that his relationship with Sherry was strictly casual, but for Sherry, it was anything but. She was obsessed with John. She would steal his clothes when he was in the shower, take pictures of him naked while he slept. She threw John a 25th, like a surprise 25th birthday party, not knowing or caring that he was in a serious relationship with Sherry. Oh, weird. Mm Mm-hmm. John said that it was at the party that he told her about Sherry and how serious it was. And don't get me wrong, because I'm not here to say that her obsession was solely one-sided and that was all her fault. There was one instance where John felt like it was time to let Lazarus know that him and Sherry, like he was with her for good, that they were going to get married. And he felt like she needed closure that night. And he thought that like the closure she needed was for them to have sex. (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sorry to laugh but like it's a very like thing to do do you need closure i know what will make you feel better exactly the one thing that would not make you feel better so i think that and i'm not saying every guy has this or every girl has this but a lot of people have that person growing up where it's like i'm gonna call you like when i'm not dating anyone or maybe if i am dating someone like you know just kind of like a side person yeah Yep. And that's the vibe that I got from this. Like you're no you're not important enough for me to put you on the top of my cha- like food chain here. Mm-hmm. But I am going to you're a solid Keep you second for a backup. Place. You're a solid yep. second place. Yep. Awful. But not only was Lazarus obsessed with John when she found out about Sherry, she was obsessed with her as well. 
There were several instances where Sherry confided in her dad about Lazarus. She said that there was one instance where she showed up at their apartment after they were engaged, literally weeks before the wedding, with water skis, asking John to wax her skis. And John and Sherry had a fight afterwards because, like, Sherry was like, I get the vibe that this is not about skis. This is not about about skis. waxing my skis (laughs) means something else. It sounds like a sexual innuendo anyways. (laughs) Like, you want to come wax my skis? It does. Sherry's like, this is about her trying to get back into your life. And John told her, and she told John, she's like, you need to make it clear that she needs to go away and stay away. But John told Sherry, if you just ignore her, she will go away. Like, let's just ignore her. He assured Sherry there is nothing going on between the two of us. Like, this was an old friend from college. Like, this is not like that. Like, this isn't a thing. Okay. When she picked up her skis, Sherry told her, like, hey, you need to go. Like, after she got the skis, just to, like, ensure so she knew, like, you're not welcome here. Like, You're not welcome. You and your skis need to get out of here and don't come back. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) A third time, she came to the house just checking to see if John was home. And she told Sherry, I'm surprised that you're here because normally John's here and you're at work by now. Uh, Uh Nope. So Sherry started to seriously worry that there was something going on between John and Lazarus. And I can't say I blame her. Yeah, that is fair. Red flag. Sherry was like, how does she know when I'm usually at work? And like, these are all valid questions. The final time that Lazarus came to visit, Sherry was working and she strutted in straight past Sherry's secretary, dressed in tight shorts and a tube top to let Sherry know that her and John were still very much involved with each other with a final message saying, if I can't have John, no one will. What? When She came to her work to do that? She came to her work, girl. Her work. Audacity abounds. The audacity. (laughs) When Sherry told her father about this, it wasn't something like she was worried about harm coming to her. She was more worried that her husband was having an affair with his ex. And then there was, in the month and like weeks leading up to her murder, she told her dad that she believed someone was following her in a disguise. Someone like, and it looked to her like it was a woman dressed like a man following her very sketchy right yeah Nels was so convinced that this woman was who killed his daughter he wrote the LP the LAPD a letter he went in begging them to look into this woman and he was told that he watches too many cop shows ew that was the response that he was giving when he was begging begging someone to look into his daughter's murder because they're, he, they're like, there's robberies. We've already solved this. We don't need yeah, to Yeah, we got this. Like, don't, even, don't even look around. Because he did the same thing that we're all feeling right now. Random home invaders, they don't have this level of brutality. They don't continue to shoot the victim. They don't freaking bite their victims. This was personal. Like, you're, I would understand if she had one gunshot. Like, a, oh, shit, someone's here. Panic shot, leave. Yeah, run out. Exactly. Not, like, engage in a battle to the like death destroy yeah, their exactly. home the lead detective only believed that there were two options one of them was john killed sherry but he was quickly ruled out and the second was that her murder was linked to the home invasions he would not consider any other possibility after a short time of no leads sherry's case was boxed up and placed on a shelf 
About a week after the murder, her car was recovered with the key still in the ignition. Blood and hair samples were also taken from the car and placed with the evidence. In 1993, so seven years later, Nels called the LAPD again, saying that he would pay for the new DNA testing that he found out was available. But he was told that he was unable to do so because they didn't have a suspect to match it against. And he was like, I gave you a suspect to match it against. Shortly after, a detective named Phil Morritt visited the L.A. County Coroner's Office in the Mission Junction District on October 11th, 1993. He signed out all of the forensic samples that might have contained a suspect's DNA. And it's not unusual for a detective to remove evidence and deliver it for like to a testing lab. So, and like sometimes like these people will get evidence from more than one case at once. So it's, it's unknown if this person, Detective Morritt, was only there for Sherry's material and like as a guy that's like got a bunch of other ones or if he truly was there to like, you know, take testing to the lab because ordinarily evidence would be removed at the request of an investigator and there is no record of such a request. So he just took all of Sherry's mm-hmm. evidence. Morat would later tell the department investigators that he had no memory of signing out the samples and the evidence all disappeared. All of it? It's pretty sus, right? It would be, now get your jaw ready. It's ready. 18 years that Sherry's files sat in a box, collecting dust and storage. In 2001, the cold case homicide unit was formed, and the literal thousand cases started to be combed through looking for DNA evidence in various cases. It would be another three years, so 2004, before Jennifer Francis, a criminologist in the unit, picked up Sherry's file and started combing through all of the evidence that remained. She was a little confused because there were reports that there was a swab taken from a bite mark, but there was no swab to be found. So she pulled a list of the forensic samples that Morat had checked out back in 1993, but the DNA swab from a bite mark wasn't listed. So she started doing some gnarly on her own detective work. She like was thinking, she's like, okay, the evidence that gets collected from a crime scene goes to the coroner's lab like the coroner's office and it goes to a freezer until it's trans like transferred. So she took a gamble and she called the coroner and to her surprise sitting in the freezer, not cataloged at all in their files, an envelope wet from like being in a fucking freezer. Decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that freezer was Sherry's sample from the bite. <gasps> Good. And they tested it. The case, number, the case number had worn off and there was a tear in the manila envelope, but the sample was still there. For some reason, and honestly, thankfully, since all the other evidence was quote unquote lost, this sample wasn't added to the file catalog. So it was never delivered to any crime lab or checked out by random detectives. Inside the envelope were two swaps inside a test tube. And in January of 2005, the DNA results came back. She ran the DNA through our favorite system to ever exist, (laughs) CODIS, but unfortunately there was no hit. The police had long suspected that two Latino men, because that was the description that had been given for all of the robberies, they even had 
Nels and his wife look at pictures of two Latino men who they thought were suspects. And he was like, why are you showing me this? This isn't who, this isn't who killed my daughter. Um, so they thought these two men did it. But the bite mark on Sherry's arm returned DNA that proved that Sherry was not murdered by those men or any man for that instance. Sherry was murdered or at least bitten by a woman. <gasps> oh, please. I am ready for vengeance. <laughs> the police still wouldn't com- completely reopen her case. They believe now that maybe one of the robbers had been female. Yeah, and she's and- just going to bite her. She's and also a werewolf. Even after all of the calls that Nelson made, the statements he made, and the comment that John had made about Lazarus, there were no female suspects listed in the file. Oh, so weird. Because mm. they weren't trying to solve it. They were just like, yeah, it's fine. Sherry's case would be cold for four more years. Cold cases were start like they had started to be given to LAPD detectives as they hit like a slow period, I guess. And homicide detective Jim Nuttall was going over the case for Sherry when he realized there had been a huge oversight. There was DNA evidence pointing to a female being the murderer, but all of the suspects listed were male. He was concerned enough about this that he brought it to his supervisor, Detective Robert Bubb, and together with Detective Nuttall, two other detectives were assigned to the case. Detectives Mark Martinez and Pete Barba. The four detectives started combing through the notebooks related to Sherry's case. Are you ready for this? There, (laughs) only one little sentence changed everything for the detectives. They knew immediately that the suspect, who the suspect was they were looking for. They knew her. The suspect read, verified, Stephanie Lazarus, P.O., was former girlfriend. P.O. P.O.? police officer (gasps) everything started to click as why she was never investigated why she only occupied this one sentence in this notebook even after so many calls from nels and even after the concern from john for a dramatic effect i left out the fact that when nels said he said it's the lady cop (gasps) she's a lady cop he told them several times That he couldn't remember the name of John's ex-girlfriend, but she was a lady cop. But John told them Stephanie Lazarus. Oh, my goodness. And so when they checked it, he didn't check that evidence out. She checked it out, right? No, he checked checked it out. Like, he checked, he signed it out. That guy did? Yeah, it gets better. It gets so much better. John even reconnected with Lazarus in 1989 in Hawaii. And he, before he did, he called the LAPD and asked the detectives to assure him that she had nothing to do with his wife's murder. Oh, my. How, Which honestly, what an idiot. gross. Gross. Yeah. Like, Your you, wife you dies? Thought, and you thought she was, like, you thought she was enough of a threat to bring her up to the LAPD? Look. If you have to call someone and be like, did this person kill my wife? You shouldn't be hooking up with her in Hawaii. Absolutely. And you're like, hey, I just need you to I just need you to confirm this lady didn't kill my wife, right? Because um I think the closure she needs is my penis. Ugh. 
And like, this isn't to like discredit the grief that John had because it was horrendous and he really struggled with it. But that's a bad choice on your part, bro. Bad move, friend. Bad move. But Stephanie Lazarus, Lazarus, wasn't some Joe Schmo police officer. She was just a rookie when Sherry was murdered. But she had went on to have a highly successful career in law enforcement. She started her own private investigation firm. She earned medals, including one gold at the World Police and Fire Games in San Diego. She helped run the D.A.R.E. program. She helped with the Internal Affairs Division. She became a detective. Three years later, she married another officer and they adopted a daughter. She's a pillar of the community. Look, she was a police instructor at the academy. She had been promoted to a higher level of detective and was working on theft cases as part of the commercial crimes division. She was one of only two detectives in the nation that had a position that was solely focused on art crimes. She had gained local media attention when she and her partner recovered a stolen statue from Carthy Circle, wherever the hell that is, (laughs) off the job. She had been active in the Los Angeles Women Police Officers Association. She organized childcare for families of officers. She made chocolate-covered cherries and homemade soaps for her neighbors in the area. She was a very decorated. She was a murderer. <laughs> she was a very decorated, highly respected officer, well, detective, and her husband worked just down the hall from these four investigators. So this is something that they had to be 100% sure about because this was going to be fucking huge, right? Yeah. When they started looking more into Lazarus, another damning piece of evidence came to light. Records show that Lazarus had purchased a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson soon after graduating the police academy. Detective Martinez was like, nah, she would have gotten rid of that because they're not. she's not going to kill Sherry with her on-duty weapon. That's too easy to be traced. She would kill her with her off-duty weapon, but she's going to get rid of it. So he traced the serial number of her backup Smith & Wesson, and suspiciously, it turned out that she had reported the gun stolen to the Santa Monica Police Department in March of 1986, just a few weeks after the murder. Not the division that she worked in. She went to a different jurisdiction. The bullets found in Sherry were a 38 J plus P ammunition, which was the required ammunition for LAPD officers to use even in their off-duty weapons. Nelson John Bull said she was a cop. They had evidence showing it could have been a cop to do it based off of the ballistic evidence and still nothing. When they... When the detectives started looking even more into the murder, they started to see a pattern of missing evidence and believe that there was someone on the inside that was helping her cover up the murder. Was it her husband? That will ne- we don't ever find out. Oh, what? Ugh, okay, just, I understand. I'll just, crush but... you. just crush you there. <laughs> Detective Bub went to the internal investigation unit and laid out all of the cards. They authorized an undercover detective to follow Lazarus. Two weeks later, she was followed into a Costco where she discarded a cup and a straw that she drank out of. The officer recovered it from the trash and sent it to DNA for DNA testing. And two days later, the results came back with the definite confirmation that Nels Rasmussen had been right all of these years. 
the lady cop, as he called her, was in fact responsible for the murder of his daughter. You did not tell me anything about Costco. That was such a weird coincidence. Uh You're Weird coincidence. (laughs) They started putting everything together using a code name for her of number five so that other officers wouldn't tip her off or do further destruction to any evidence because obviously it had been an issue. The detectives called her down to the Parker building under the guise that they wanted her assistance in an art-related case. But they really wanted her in an area that she had to check her gun to get into so she didn't have some kind of, like, standoff in the event she went nuts when they tried to arrest her. As you probably know, Gruesome uses Zencaster to record, produce, and analyze all on one podcast platform. If investing is something that you're interested in, You'll be excited to learn that Zencaster has recently opened a funding round, allowing listeners like you to own a stake in the company. More than 30,000 passionate creators actively use Zencaster, and it has become the preferred platform for creators to create, grow, and monetize their podcast. Podcasting advertising was the fastest growing marketing channel in 2021. If you're interested in investing in Zencaster, go to wefunder.com Zencaster or click the link in our episode description below to claim your slice of the future of podcasting. I'm going to play a couple of clips from the interrogation that I found on YouTube. And this is the cringiest, most obviously guilty interview that I have heard in a while. So brace yourselves. So the first part is the detectives telling her why they brought her down there. I don't want to talk about this in the squadron because I, I don't know who people are listening. It's true. It's and if we true. go to my side, everybody's yeah. always wondering what everybody oh, else yes, is doing. No okay. But uh, like we're talking about being business. We've been assigned a case that we've been looking at. Okay. okay. It's a new case. And as we're doing the case, there's some notes at the CA that, as far as your name being mentioned. Do oh, you, okay. Do you know John Rudin? John Rudin? John Rutten? Rutten. Right. Oh, yeah, I went to school with him. You did? Yeah. How long did you know him? Gosh, I went to school in, um, let's see, went to UCLA in 1978. I started and, um, you know, met him at school at the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, we as friends, close friends? Yeah, we're very close friends. Yeah. I mean, what's this all about? Well, it's regarding, it's a case we're working on. It involves John, and in there, some of the statements were, we reviewed. Uh, you know, there's notes and stuff that he, that he knew you and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we good friends. Um, lived in the dorms for, I lived in the dorms for two years. Um, you guys lived in the same dorm? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, Dykstra. Okay. Were you guys just friends or anything else or? Yeah, we were, we were good friends. Yeah. Was there any relationship or anything that developed between you guys? Yeah, I mean, we dated, uh, uh-huh. you know. She sounds very casual <laughs> about it, right? Well, you can hear that last one. She finally started to kind of break. She's like, yeah, they're just good friends. We dated. <laughs> yeah, you know, like very casually. So casual that you wrote his mom a letter after he was engaged that said, I'm truly in love with John and the past year has really torn me up. I wish it didn't end the way it did. And I don't think I'll ever understand his decision. <sighs> Oh my gosh, you wrote his mom that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So casual that you had an intimate relationship with this man after his wife was murdered. Casual that 
your roommate would later testify that you barely got over his marriage, that you compared every man you dated to him and said that none of them were as good for you as he was. Yeah, it sounds like a man that you can barely remember. Like, oh, we're just friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, we went to college together. We went to school together. I vaguely yeah. recall. <laughs> so next, they ask her about Sherry. Or what she did for a living or where she worked or anything um, about her? Well, I think she, I, I'm kind of saying, I think she was a nurse. Um Man, I can't even remember how he, he said he met her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's been so long ago. You know, I don't understand why you're talking about some guy who dated a million years ago. Well, do you know what happened to his wife? Yeah, I know she got killed. What did um, you What did you hear about that? I, I saw a poster at work. Um, I'm sure I spoke to him about it. Um, I think I spoke to another friend of his about it. Um. And how did, how did you first learn about that? Jeez. Someone could have called me. I could have heard it at work. Um, I think at one point there may have been a flyer or something. I know a good friend of his. Um, Were you on the job back then when that happened? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm sure I was on the job. That's why I would have heard about it with a flyer. Um, he had a good friend, Mike. Mike. Oldrick. Mike. Um... Anyways, a fr a fr he may have lived in the dorms. I don't remember if that's how I met him. Um, I, I may have talked to him. I mean, you know, I don't remember how I heard. I mean, I don't even remember what year it was. You know, was it everything okay between you guys? I mean, there was never anything uncomfortable or anything between you and her? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's God, it's been so many years. I mean, uncomfortable, I mean... I can't. I can't even remember if we had a conversation. I mean, we may have. I may have. I may have seen her at his apartment. You know, geez, how many years ago was that? I don't even know what year she, you know, got killed. Where was his apartment? On Roscoe. Okay. Yeah, Roscoe and um, um, east or west of Desoto. Uh, either east or west of Desoto. Do you know where he moved after? Did he move after he got married, or do you know, or? Oh, I'm sure he did. Did you know where he was living or? Somewhere in the valley. Did you ever visit him and his wife? No. No, never no. went out to, you know, get together, dinners. I don't know, no. After his wife died, did, did you talk to him again or anything? Yeah, I mean, I did talk to him. Mm -hmm. I talked to him, probably his parents, um, probably some other friends, um, you know, I'm sure I talked to him. Yeah. Um, but you, you don't, you're not sure where he moved to after he got married? No idea. I never mean, went I, over to, to visit him or- I don't think, I mean, I don't or... think so. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't think I did. Um, I mean, I know we've lived on Roscoe for a long, long time. Um, I mean, he, I may know. I mean, he may have told me where they live. Somewhere in the valley. I mean, he may have said he lived over such and such, but I, I couldn't tell you specifically where. But you don't remember specifically ever going over to visit him or visit them at where, wherever he moved when he left Roscoe? 
I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't think so, but okay. you know, I don't want to say, no, I don't okay. think so. And then he says, oh yeah, she came over for something, dropped something off. You know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, when you heard about uh, John's wife being killed, I mean, what was your, what was your reaction? Okay. So they keep going, but she's very like, she reminds me of when I ask my oldest son a question that he's lied about. And I already know the answer. Uh, 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 I know. I was going to say, I was going to, I kept laughing while you were playing. Cause she, she just kept, uh, 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 like, and then you can hear her like catch her breath and be like, okay, here's mm -hmm. where we really have to lie. And she is a 25 year veteran detective. She knows how these interrogations work. She absolutely knew she was busted. And she oh, was for just like, sure. And it's crazy because she, when it comes to Sherry, she's very blase. Like, I don't even know where she works. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, but like when it came to questions, but when it came to questions about John, she was like, oh, he lived here, here and here. Like, you don't know who his yeah. wife is, but you can spat out exactly where he freaking lived. And where was that? Oh, this one. But I, I don't know. He might have lived somewhere. Yeah, I did talk to him after. I did talk to him before. Oof, rough. Well, I have one last one when they asked about if Sherry and her ever had any confrontations. And this is her response. I'm thinking that because, I mean, we would date, he would date other people, I would date other people. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at one point, I mean, he may have been dating her or I don't know, maybe he was married. I don't even remember. And I'm like, you know what, why are you calling me if... You're either dating her or living with her or married to her. I because I, I honestly don't remember the time frame. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, come on, knock it off. And I'm and now I'm thinking I may I may have gone to her and say, hey, you know what? You know what? Is he dating you? He's oh, he's bothering me. Um, and so I'm thinking that we had a conversation about that. Um, one or two, maybe. You know, I, it could have been three. I don't want to say I had three conversations with her. Like at your work or. At their at their house or no, I'm thinking that I, you know, he obviously must have told me where she worked. I'm thinking it was a hospital somewhere in LA. And I just, I mean, I could have been again, what year was that? Where was I working? Um she is flustered. You know, I don't I don't I'm trying to think of where when did you say they got married? Mm-hmm. You know. You know, Stephanie. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just went to her and I was like, hey, is he dating you? Because he's bothering me. <laughs> no. No. I think he told me she worked at a hospital. Like, okay, so you're progressively laying out that you had more communication than you initially. Like, oh, yeah, John. I, right? I can't even remember. It was how many years ago? How many years ago was this? By God. How, but he you're lived like, here. I thought it was long enough ago that no one would ever ask me about this again. Mm-hmm. I thought my little minions destroyed enough of this evidence that we would never have to have this conversation. Well, you missed one. You missed one. And what I think happened is when Nels Rasmussen called in and was like, I will pay for DNA testing. Someone in that little group was like, hey, your name keeps getting brought up and he wants to pay for DNA testing. And she was like, make it go away. But what they you didn't think expect. She disguised herself as a man and maybe hell, I stuff don't know. out. 
because she thought, you know, well, she I think she you would have to chase, like, you have to show credentials and stuff. You can't just be like, I'm the captain <laughs> with a fake Two mustache. kids in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> we need all the evidence about this. But what they did expect is the shitty catalog service where they were like, oh, actually, there's one we forgot about back here. Thank God that they didn't catalog that because that would have been lost forever. She eventually goes on to tell them that she feels like she needs a lawyer when they start to ask her, hey, would you provide a DNA sample? And then they were like, we do have DNA from the scene. And she was like, I think I maybe need a lawyer. And they had told her several times through this that she was free to leave whenever she wanted. And she eventually did. But her freedom was short-lived. And she was arrested immediately after leaving the interrogation room on the charge of the murder of Sherry Rasmussen. I would have. Oh, man, that's reality television I want to watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was immediately taken to Linwood, which is the Los Angeles County Jail for female prisoners. She was held on a $10 million bail. Oh, my goodness. Detective Nuttall had previously visited Arizona to get more information on what they knew about, like the family knew about Lazarus. And pretty much everybody up the chain of command was like, you have to, they have to be told in person that there's an arrest. So he called and was like, I'm going to be in on Friday. And Nels was like, I actually have a doctor's appointment that Friday. And uh, Detective Nettle was like, I would move it. Like, you need You're going to want to be home. <laughs> so he flew back in. And the second she was arrested, he knocked on their door and told them in person. Because like he said, if anyone had a reason to be pissed at the LAPD, it was Nels Rasmussen. Because he had been telling them for 20 years that this was the woman that murdered his daughter. I take a ton of notes. I am a writer, a student, a habitual list maker, and even though I love paper, I do feel bad about the number of notebooks that I buy and then don't fill up before I buy another one. I made a mini goal this year to waste less paper, and Paperlike has really made that easier for me. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who writes or draws with an iPad and an Apple Pencil, the surface of the paper-like is coated using nanodots, which are tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every paper-like comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare, just in case. I love that I'm wasting less paper, but I still get to feel like I'm writing on paper. To pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com gruesome, click buy paper-like, and then select your iPad size. Ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com slash gruesome to get started. So her trial was in 2012 and the prosecution presented all of the evidence that they had, as well as the diary that she had written in that had her obsession with John documented. Her former roommate testified because at during this time, like when Sherry was murdered, Lazarus took up the hobby of lock picking. Lock picking? Yeah, she had like an LAPD issued kit that unlocked doors and she read a bunch of books about it. And it was pretty convenient considering there was no sign of forced entry. The defense tried to argue that the DNA could have been tampered with, which, honey, a lot of the DNA was tampered with, but we're not going to get into that because the envelope had been ripped. They argued that the theory about the like, this was a robbery gone wrong. 
which is funny because the when it was all said and done, the only thing other than her car that got stolen was Sherry and John's marriage certificate. <gasps> Ew. So gross. So weird. Did and they it ever really find her car? Yeah, I said that. They found it like a like a week later, like okay, with the key still it. in the ignition. My brain yeah. was still going. And it really didn't matter because in the end, after several days of deliberations, the then 52-year-old detective prodigy, Stephanie Lazarus, was found guilty of the first-degree murder and sentenced to 27 years to life in prison, where she is currently serving her sentence. She has tried to appeal, but both times have been unsuccessful. Mm -mm. You got literally like almost 30 years, just mm -hmm. free and clear. Because the missing evidence also included recordings and transcripts of interviews with both Nels Rasmussen and John Rutten that discussed Lazarus. Like they were talking about Lazarus and those were absent from all the files. Oh, so weird. Weird, like huh? Yeah, no, you don't get out. Like you got away with it for so long and then you finally get busted and you're going to try to file an appeal and be like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, you shouldn't mm -hmm. have murdered someone. That was your bad. The Rasmussen sued the LAPD for their utter butchering of the case and the cover up, but the statute of limitations had passed and it prevented the, like they bullshit. weren't able to sue. Such bullshit. There was also another lawsuit from Jennifer Francis, who was the criminologist on the case, because after and during, like as Lazarus was being convicted, she faced harassment and retaliations from her superiors and other colleagues for handling the case and busting it wide open to get one of their own convicted. But I think Ugh. what's better and like bittersweet, like the petty side of me is that Lazarus got to sit in court and hear John Rutten say this. Sherry Rasmussen had an impact on so many people. And I was so proud when she agreed to be my wife. My heart still races when I look at her pictures, but Sherry was extraordinary more for who she was than the way she looked. And then he went on to say, the Rasmussen's have treated me as a son and a brother and contemplating their profound grief that she met her death because she met and married me brings me to my knees. Oof. Harsh. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Damn, What's, dude. That's a crazy on an, one. Yeah. On an unrelated note, uh, Sherry's sister, Connie, also went to prison like not also but she went to prison like later on because she had like i can't remember the exact amount but like hundreds of thousands of dollars she had uh stolen she worked at the va in arizona and she like embezzled a bunch of money from the va from the va Ugh, that's and they, she, also gross i swore when you said that this was gonna be like a crazy one you say that like they you said they like broke in i thought it was gonna be her sister or like her dad or like something mm -mm. like that that like came around some crazy scorned little bitch that just was so jealous she was like that's, that's what supposed i thought to be i thought life. it was going to be like they loved cherry so much but this un this rage rageful jealousy built up in connie and she broke in and killed her sister like that's no. what i thought was going to happen it was like a high up detective with the LAPD who they protected their own and she went free for far too long. Uh, and then the fact that they got bullied afterwards for like, you know, exposing her. Mm -hmm. like that. 
Um, Nels, actually, he passed away in 2020, and his wife, Loretta, died two years later. So she just passed away last year. Oh, that's sad. Well, I'm, I'm thankful they got, they got the closure. Yeah. Imagine Obvious. the fucking rage. Two things. Imagine the rage of, rage of being him and being like, oh, I told you guys. Like, I've been telling you. Yeah, I've absolutely. I've been telling you. And the secondary, the feeling that John must have felt that he reconnected with Sherry on a few occasions following Obviously that with didn't Lazarus. work out because she married someone else and mm-hmm. he went on to get married and like have a family with someone else as well. But like he reconnected with her after she had married Sherry. Like imagine finding out like, okay, after it again, after she had murdered Sherry. You murdered. Keep saying oh my God. I can't, I'm thinking <laughs> Sherry and Mary and it just is like <laughs> with my coming brain. out as one word. Yeah. But like she murdered his wife and like you had like sexual relations with her afterwards. The feeling that you must have felt when you realized like. Yeah, that's there's got to be some guilt there for sure. I feel awful for that. But I also stand by if you have to call the LAPD and ensure that this woman didn't have anything to do with the death of your wife. You probably should be banging her. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. That's like one giant red flag. But like, why would they even tell you anyways if she, that was before I knew she was a police officer. Why would they be mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, no, she's good. She's one of us, one of us. Look at her. Look at all the great things that she does. Uh, I can't wait to she see is... pictures of these. Mm, she's not. Look her up. Look up Stephanie Lazarus. That The oh. petty bitch in me was like, girl, you ugly. It's just what happened makes it that way, you know? Uh-huh. Because I think what makes you know, her so... She's got the crazy eyes, though. Crazy eyes. Well, that... Okay, so this is what's crazy. Is when uh, Sherry was telling her dad that someone was following her. And it, she said that the person had eyes that looked like they could look through someone. And you see a picture of her and you're like, damn. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, they are all like that. She does have, like, laser mm-hmm. eyes. I'm still looking, kind of. Oh, man, the 80s. Look at that hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, this should be a cautionary tale of you can't just ignore someone you're sleeping with on the side and expect them to go away. Yeah, and closure yeah. is not continuing to sleep with them. And it yeah, sucks that's... because Sherry really just got caught like in a. I don't I think if. I think anyone John would have been with would have faced a similar fate because it was just, she didn't want anyone else to be with John. She was obsessed with him. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered who it was. I'm honestly surprised that. I don't know. I feel like he had to have turned that down again and been like, no, I'm not, I can't do this. Or like he finally was like, you need to leave me alone. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Obviously we weren't there, but because you would think after that she would try to like become that, like, well, marry because me they, instead. Yeah. She put up a fight. Like, Lazarus would have had defensive wounds, like, or like, you know, would have had wounds on her. And he told her them the next day, John's ex is a lady cop and she's been stalking my daughter. And they could have went to her then and been like, sis, how let did me you see get your so, hands. How did you get so beat up? Where's your gun? Let's test this. Let's rule you out right now. Let's just kind of. But no, they were like, nah, couldn't be. 
Could it be? I feel like there was a lot of, um, just based on cases that we've done in that area and that time period, there was a lot of yucky things going on. Within the police department? Within the police department. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. I can think of like three or four right off the top of my head. And I'm like, so if that's common knowledge for, you know, us. I think that that... was the case back then for a lot of big cities. Like police corruption was really like pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yes. And uh, And I don't know if it's like police... I don't want to say police are as corrupt because we got documented evidence that they are. But like, I feel like back then it was a lot more. It was a like, lot worse. Bri- yeah, like it was a lot worse. Like the briberies. And I'm not well, talking about. Now like, they do pre- things to prevent it. You know, you do have like body cams, you do have people yeah. with cameras constantly like recording. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more accountability. There's more of a focus on you know oh yeah what's this right happened here nels would have went online and we would have all been petitioning like like check check the dna <laughs> and there's yeah, new I, protocols in place you know so they yeah, have exactly. to go through those you, exactly like, you can't just you can't hear that from two separate people and be like yeah we'll just rule them out because they're they're one of us yeah that's not it's like that quote that uh the only thing stronger than a mother's love is a mother's denial it's like, yeah. I feel like this fits that case as well for the LAPD. They're the mother in this case. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Like, you're going to make us all, it's more, I think, uh, more, you're going to make I us think, all look bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's why she went above and beyond for so long to do, like, all this extra stuff. Like, look how good of a person I am. Honestly, when you were explaining all of that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, no, she was constantly trying to over, it sounded like overcompensation. Like you're constantly overcompensating for this horrible thing you did and you're trying to morally make it right. But like, you'll never be able to morally make it right because you took someone's life. You took, if that was your child, you would never forgive them. Like plain, plain as day. No. I want to punch this bitch in the face, square in the jaw. <laughs> Just square in her noodle. Well, like, you know, she has a rough day every day because not only is she a police officer, which like, spoiler alert, you're not going to do well in prison. Yeah, I'm sure she's I, not having a good time and has probably never had a good time. I hope she gets crabs and has the worst day every day. Like she wakes up every day with a yeast infection. I like that. That's your new insult. <laughs> yeah i think i heard you say it before she gets crabs and wakes up with the worst day every day mm-hmm. that is have rough. the day what is that like i hope you have, have the, the day, day you, deserve. you deserve have the day you deserve mm. um i guess this is as good as a place of any to tell <laughs> our listeners that starting bear with us guys starting next week episodes will be released on friday because as you see this is like Friday morning, likely <laughs> when this is going to be released. Um, life has been extremely crazy for Meg and I, and our current recording schedule is not working out as it used to, which sucks. Yeah. We love, we love it, but it's not fair to you guys to always us having late episodes, and it's just so we're just like, going to shift it. A we're going to shift it. Yes, it so it'll be Fridays on Fridays, and you can have Friday morning. Connie and Megs or whenever they come out on Friday. <laughs> yeah, it'll be easier for them to be out like right at midnight on Fridays because like now both of us 
Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays are like yikes. Like yeah, yikes. Jammy packed. And I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. And it nope. really it'll give us more time for like our patrons because like life has been crazy and like we're an ep like a month behind on our bonus episode for Patreon because like shit's been gnarly lately. And it'll give us our mental health will thrive because of this. Because <laughs> so we're just we're taking the steps we need that so we could be better for you. Otherwise, and sometimes gonna... better for you means two days later in the week. <laughs> yeah. Because what's better for you guys is even better for us. And we love you. And we're sorry that the last couple months have been a little hectic, but we're trying to adjust to this new season of our lives. And it's the adjustment is not as smooth as I had hoped it would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, season 34 is looking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. I need a break. <laughs> we just started. Like, come on. You're not even 34 yet. It's like, brace yourself, <laughs> baby, because it's this shit has been gnarly. Got a couple months, but I still count it. Like, if I'm in the year and people ask me how old I am, I just go ahead and round up. Just like, my, yeah, I'm 34. That reminds me of, we went to Olive Garden. Like, um, my kids had, like, a rough week. One of their teacher, like, my middle son, his assistant teacher last year passed away this week. And he was pretty upset about it. And like her son is my oldest age. So like we were dealing with a lot of grief in this house. And so I was like, you know what? Let's go to Olive Garden. We'll go to dinner. It'll make everything feel better. And this is like after we had a bunch of stuff to do on Monday for this reason. Um, and the waitress asked my oldest how old he was. And he's like 13. And I was like, you're not 13. <laughs> Also, she's not going to be attracted to you if you say you're 13. She's a grown adult. <laughs> he, he's like, I'm not trying to order off this kid's menu anymore. I'm a teenager. 13, baby. <laughs> Wink. I can stay up till 930. Did you have to make leprechaun trap this week? Uh, we That is something that we do not do. I hate it. It. I have been ranting about this all week and I will continue to rant about it. The idea that I have to do more work on St. Patrick's day other than just like wear green is too much for me because now what is this the leopard? What is it? Ugh. I don't even know how it started, but they, you have a, every house or our house, at least this is how we described it. You make a trap and you got to try to trap a leprechaun so you can make a wish, right? On the night before the St. Patrick's Day. But you never catch the leprechaun and then the leprechaun pranks you. He leaves pranks around your house. So like our leprechaun, normally like toilet papers our house with streamers. He sometimes turns our milk green with food coloring. He sometimes makes our toilet water green. He pranks us. This sounds like a lot of work that I'm not interested in. It is a lot. And I understand that I am making memories, but I am annoyed about the memories. <laughs> I always say, how are they missing a memory they don't know could exist? <laughs> uh, I fully blame YouTube. I'm confident that it, this is like a YouTube thing. It's very Elf on the Shelf-esque. It is. Yep. It's exactly like that. And um, except that he just lurks and I don't know. We 
it happens every single year. The night before, there is like a breakdown because we haven't made a trap. And because every year I'm like, maybe she'll forget. Maybe this is the year. She won't even think about it. And this year she was like, let's build a bad trap so he can get out. I don't really want to catch him. I'm like, perfect. Let's do that. Let's make a terrible trap. <laughs> You're like, just what the doctor ordered. Just what the doctor ordered, a terrible trap. But I saw this woman on TikTok who said that her trap is that she told her kids that the leprechaun loves toys. And so if you leave the toys out that you don't use anymore, the leprechaun will take them as like an offering and he won't prank you. So her kids gathered all the toys that they didn't want and left him for the leprechaun. And I was like, next year, baby. This a week ago. <laughs> I read You're this such new a good thing. mom. You're such a uh, good mom. Only sometimes. I was really grumpy tonight. I was super, every noise was just like setting me off. I realized that I really didn't drink any water today and I was probably just tired and grumpy. And so I was having a rough one. So thank you. I, <laughs> I feel like a good mom tonight. No, I admire all the extra stuff you do with your kids. You're you're great. Your snaps for Meg. <laughs> Don't give me snaps. You go to every practice, that. though. <laughs> Everyone. Like, if I can skip a, a gymnastics thing, I'm like, you go ahead and take them this time. <laughs> I try and talk my daughter out of going to dance every week. I'm like, you want to stay this <laughs> yeah. week? You just want to watch a show? No, they never do. No, they she never went. do. She wants to go rehearse, which I get. I admire your drive, and I'm paying good money for this dance. So, like, I'm glad. <laughs> but goddamn. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do dance. Well, we made the bold decision. So, typically in the spring, my oldest does soccer. My middle son does baseball. And our daughter does nothing. Well, this year, all three are playing soccer. <laughs> You you are officially a soccer mom. I mean, I selfishly advocated for my middle son to play soccer because he was like kind of on the fence about it. And then he has um, my neighbor's daughter. They're they're the cutest. They're like best friends. So she plays soccer. So he was like, I want to play soccer because she plays soccer. But spring soccer is only two months. So it's like just April and May, whereas summer soccer goes into like July. Or summer baseball goes into like July. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll get all these sports done in May. I'll have the summer to myself. But now I'm like getting all their schedule, like their practices schedules. And I'm like, ah. You're going to be there for two months straight. Yeah. Luckily, my middle son is playing on my neighbor's team. So I got one ride. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you, you run over there. Is your, you got this kid? And then my daughter's going to play and she's four. So that's obviously going to be a train wreck. It's going to be the best. Are you guys when, doing baseball this year? No, because we're going to stick with gymnastics. I asked. I you, They can pick one. It's one or the other. I won't, I won't do both. Oh, but she's so good at baseball. She's really good at it, yeah. Um, And I will never coach again. That was – I never – it takes such a special human being to coach children's sports. Like oh, youth for sports, sure. Because I coach T-ball – for one season and I wanted to cry every single practice every single game I was just like I cannot wait for this to be over I never want to do this again it was you were so brave to do that (laughs) 
They I'm were not so brave. I signed up to assist and they didn't have a coach. And I was like, either I have to coach or they just don't get this. They have to be on a different team. Yeah, I don't coach anything. I have my oldest is in like club soccer. Like he's played for like literally his entire life. And I still to this day have no idea what the hell is going on out there. <laughs> What's happening in soccer? I don't know. What? And they were needing extra coaches. And I was like looking around like, can't be me. <laughs> <laughs> anyone? Anyone? I'll bring snacks. I'm not, I'm not your girl. You need me to work not the concession today. stand. I got you. Maybe. I'm pretty busy. But a bitch isn't coaching. Nope. They're going to stick with gymnastics, which I am happy to let them do. It's a good time. They have friends there now. The older one moved up a level, so she's thrilled. She did a handstand on a beam, and I had never seen her do it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Doesn't it surprise you when they do shit like that? (laughs) When they do things? Yeah, I'm like, whoa, you're your whole own little person there. Good for you. Because they always ask, you want to see my insert skill? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. And usually it's like, okay, (laughs) that was fine. Kick the air, run in a circle. (laughs) Sweet. Super awesome. You didn't look. I have to do it again. I saw. I promise. My daughter was like, do you want to see me do the splits? And I was like, okay, (laughs) let's see. And I expected like, just like, but she straight up did like the splits. And I was like, damn girl. She's like, my dance teacher taught me. And I was like, okay. But like our dance, there's a curtain up so i never know what's going on she could be whipping those kids with a belt and i have no fucking idea <laughs> on part like you're not supposed to be able to see him or no oh okay i don't really understand the reasoning behind it if you're a dance mom and you know why you can't watch your kids holler girl let me know i don't <laughs> understand it but it's just like a weird thing i was like okay <laughs> whatever whatever you say <sighs> yeah i hope fun. we don't do dance again though I hope she gets really into like soccer and like that's like her <laughs> new thing. But like dances, I have zero rhythm. So it's not like I can help <laughs> that aspect either. And then I'm you like, can't I'm... watch their thing. So like, they're like, make sure you're practicing at home. I'm like, you're sitting four year olds home with these directions and you want them to practice at home? Practice what? They're her splits, obviously. Yeah, the splits, like, <laughs> and her cartwheel, which is like her just putting her hands on the ground and like moving her feet to the other side. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. You. Uh, I got a trampoline, thinking that that would help. I didn't get it. I asked for a trampoline for my kids for Christmas, and they got one. And I was like, "This will help with gymnastics." Yeah, but for sure. We haven't really gotten a chance to use it. It's just been sitting out there because it's been snowing all March. (laughs) I keep, we're going to Destin for spring break and I keep looking at the weather and I'm like, it's like the same temperature. Like, what am I doing? You're just going to look at the ocean. Sad. Cold. We're going to, we're going to Michigan for my spring break because my, we're not doing anything for theirs, but to see Beetlejuice the musical. I go on Saturday. I'm very excited. That's going to be so awesome. I bought tickets and as soon as they announced that it was touring, I was like, I have to go. The girls I have are going to love it. it. Yeah. Uh, I, it is mildly inappropriate for children, but I think it'll go over their heads for the most part. Yeah. I'm just going to let them enjoy their first musical theater experience and like hopefully that, that awakens something within them 
and they can share that love with me. <laughs> like that excitement about being yeah. with me. I think it'll be cool. And, and they and the like the light. Pool. Oh, that's all you need. <laughs> it's a win-win right there. We did Disney on Ice last weekend. And mm-hmm. uh, it was the Encanto and Frozen one. And my oh, daughter cool. loved it. She put on, there were two shows you paid for that night. The show that you watched and then her knowing every single song and doing like very dramatic turns for like <laughs> surface pressure. And I was like, yes. You didn't know that you were getting two shows in this row. <laughs> That's why I think the girls will love it. They're going to love the music. They're going to love. they. We listen to the soundtrack a lot. So they already know all the words to like all the songs. And I'm like, oh, oh that's going to be awesome. This might go well. It might not go well. I How many days are you guys staying? We're just going out for the weekend. We'll go up Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll come home. But I saw in another TikTok that there is a true crime bookstore in the town I'm going to be in. So I'm going to go to it on Sunday, I think. They're, at, they're are open you, on Sundays. You're going to say, do you know who I am? No, I'm not going to do that. That is, I am a true crime <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> One of a million. No, I am not absolutely not going to do that. But I <laughs> will go in and peruse and talk it up after I visit, probably. That's dope. I want to go to a true crime bookstore. I want to go to true. true. I want to go to crime con. That's like my. I know. I know. They won't invite us. <laughs> like they just won't. We keep trying. We keep trying. And they keep ignoring us. Crime con, please. Let us go. Let us meet people. Let me fangirl over some other podcasters. Help us. Help. Okay, go to CrimeCon page and be like, oh. hey, invite Gruesome Podcast. Invite Gruesome. Yeah, go tell them. Get our, get, have our backs. I just think of the cool stickers you could design for us to hand out at CrimeCon. Like so many stickers. So, so many. I am speaking of stickers. They are um, getting packaged currently. I'm in the, about halfway done, but they're one of my favorites. But they I'm are excited. very, <laughs> they are very niche. So if you don't like your sticker this month, you just give it to someone who does like it because uh, this sticker is for me. Sticker. Yeah, it is a bumper sticker. And shout out to our patron Sam because she was the one who was like. Can we get a bumper sticker up in here on our Discord? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we can get a bumper Your sticker. Your wish is up my command, here. Sam. It's a little shorter, but it's uh it's cool. It's cool. I'm excited about it. You gonna put that thing on your mom van? I don't have any stickers on that and nor will I ever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if that was the only one? I can't I haven't I don't have any stickers on my car either, but I keep thinking about it. Like I got this one that I feel like I could do. It would look cool on my car. I just, I am weird and I'd like to see all my stickers on my computer just so I can look over and be happy. It's like a dopamine, instant dopamine. My my computer's full. I can't fit anymore on here. Well, I have a. I started putting them on the bottom. I have a desktop. So I have like the big tower. So I just stick, stick, stick. I got a desktop too for Christmas. I could put it on that. I have like barely used it though. You also have all of the stickers, and I get the leftovers whenever I get to see you. So you still have a lot, though, and I still have a bunch I can give you. I need them all. Let's just bring a little box next time. Hand it over. 
Like, here, I was take like, them. These are mine. Bitch. I keep some in my wallet so if I run into listeners, I can give them a sticker, which has happened a couple of times now. I just have only, it's happened once, and I just awkwardly was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Handshake. We had a listener come into the clinic, and I gave her a sticker. <gasps> That's so cool. It was cool. She happened to be in the uh, operatory right next to mine, and I talk loud, so she immediately knew I was in there. If a listener comes into my place and work, I'm called the police because I work from home. <laughs> That's my house. Get out of here, Stephanie Lazarus. <laughs> Sometimes my husband comes home on lunch, and if you want... <laughs> If you want to see a person at their most feral, hit them up in the midday while they're not having any calls or anything. I got like pajamas on, face mask, hairs and like the little heatless curlers, chomping on like leftover enchiladas and just have like my graveyard of drinks next to me. <laughs> you do drink a lot of drinks at one time. I do. I can't help it. I just love them all. I'm looking right now and I have one, two, three, four five six cups what does your nightstand look like with actually i just cleaned it so (laughs) but i had it was covered it was was so full you couldn't fit a cup that's why you had to clean it yeah and it was all cups of water with varying small amounts from them and your occasional (laughs) iced coffee that i would like drink in bed and leave there i that's what my husband's nightstand looks like just so many cups and like bowls and it just grosses me out mine is mm-hmm. completely empty that's I how you have a like coaster my... on there just in case <laughs> the difference is my husband has a CPAP on his side and a layup and that's about it and like I couldn't get a CPAP on my side if I had to save my life like I have because I do I'll like grab a snack before bed or you know, sit it there or pins or like whatever's in my pockets when I get in the bed or whatever. Why are you going to stuff in your pockets going to bed? Because sometimes I just put shit in my sweats pockets. Like if I'm like walking around the house and I just like pick uh-huh. up like chapstick or a pen or like Legos off the floor, I just throw it in my pocket. Little pieces of trash. It's easier just to throw it in there and then throw it on my nightstand and take it to throw away <laughs> because I'm mentally ill. <laughs> Ooh, Lego pocket. Mm-hmm. Don't put it down. Put it away. That's that's the rule. Don't put it down. Just put it away. We have been, which has like made my like anxiety a lot better. Like every night before bed, we're like, hey, thirty minutes, tidy up. Let's get everything off the counters from like you know, the day, let's get all of my daughter's toys off the ground. Like, let's do this. And then I wake up and I feel better. And then I come into my office and I just add to my graveyard of cups from the day before. And I'm like, I'm a fucking, like, I'm trash. (laughs) You're not trash. You just like cups. That's okay. I do. Because I I can't Christmas ornaments behind you, though. Uh, Yeah, so I still (laughs) have some Christmas stuff up in my living room. (laughs) I'm trash. (laughs) <laughs> you're not trash but you know what it is it's still I think... snowing it still yeah, counts i think because like with my adhd it's like that sometimes like one day i'll wake up and all of it will bother me to the point i have to take it down immediately but now it's like i just have blinders to it so it's 
my husband's like, dude, we got to get these fucking Christmas decorations down. It's almost April. And I'm like, what Christmas decorations? And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, we still have a bunch up. <laughs> Those are Whoops. up there. Whoops. I feel that. If it's if it gets like that at my house, if it's messy and gross, I will just leave. I'll just be like, yeah, I just got to go do other things. I just don't have to be in this area of the house. And I'll ne- never affect me. But it does. <laughs> I don't, I never realized like how, like, cause I love to have things neat and tidy, but I feel like there comes a point where I don't really know what I'm doing and I hoard everything. So I'm like, ah, it's too much stuff. I also determined if I had three less kids, my house would never be messy. <laughs> it would though. It would still be messy. It would just be a different kind of messy. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't know what it would be. Drugs. Things <laughs> just that everywhere. Have. Drugs. Drugs. Dishes. Just kidding. That's a joke, guys. <laughs> my husband has this thing, or I have this thing that my husband calls Clothes Mountain. And it's just a very large pile of clothes that I always have. I've always had it. Always on the floor. And it just moves rooms. Is it but clean clothes? Li- it's both. It's I both. <laughs> it's like just a pile of things that I have taken off and are too clean to wash or things that I have decided to change my mind on or things that I put on and I was like, eh, this kind of smells weird. Just everything. It's just a big pile. I have recently gotten two baskets and one is for clean or dirty, but not dirty enough to wash. So you can wear it again. And then actual dirty. And that is helping Close Mountain uh, be smaller, but I do need to touch it up again because the front of my dresser is starting to form a new one. It always pops up somewhere. My clothes mountain right now is all of the clothes I've decided I'm getting rid of. But it's like I'm in the goodwill, so. If you put them in a bag, it's just going to sit in the back of your van for like three oh, weeks. Oh, for until you sure. <laughs> for sure. And there are times I go to goodwill and the shit still stays in the van. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Whoops. Whoop, whoops. Whoop. That's why I like ours. You drive around the back, you just hit. They have a sign up that says, please leave outside the door. You don't wait for him to come out anymore. You just leave that shit right by the just door like, and drive off. And run. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I do before it's I like have a chance to a change my mind. <laughs> yeah. Because if I sit there long enough or if there's like a bunch of stuff around, I'll start looking at other shit that people have dropped off and I'll be like, mm, this is mine. You get it before it goes into Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> that's called tactically acquiring something. That's not stealing. <laughs> that's they taking- donated it. They don't. That was somebody's trash, and I just happened to find it on a curb. I got a lot of board games that way, though. Like several times, I pulled up, and people have like donated board games. I'm like, hmm, looks like Trolls Monopoly is mine. <laughs> I know it's stealing. Don't judge me. I'm too nervous. I'd be like, Ooh. I did it one what, time, what if and I still comes feel out anxiety. And yell at me. <laughs> I still feel the anxiety. Oh no. I just feel like if I worked at Goodwill in the back and someone did that, I'd be like, thanks for doing some of my job. Like, that's one less thing I have to do. No shit. I'd be like, come on through, (laughs) baby cakes. Shop. Or have another one. How about you give me $10? (laughs) I'll give you $10 if you take some of this shit off my hands. (laughs) I'm helping them. Well, on that note, we just... Now that I've told you that I'm a klepto... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the back of Goodwill. <laughs> we'll see you guys next Friday. Friday. Our Friday. outro still hasn't changed. So 
we'll don't judge us eventually. we know we'll fix it it's fine <laughs> we know <laughs> bye guys goodbye thank you so much for listening to gruesome horrific true crime a zencaster powered podcast seriously we wouldn't be here without them Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.